Allie. And I'm Haley. And this is Two Kids and a Broadway Star. Hey folks, begging your pardon. Excuse me, sorry to barge in. Now let's skip the tears and start. Our guest today is the Alex Brightman. Brightman, Brightman, Brightman. And he needs no introduction. But we're giving you one anyway. You know him as the ghost of the most, the teacher with the meter. He's rocked out in School of Rock and haunted the Winter Garden as Beetlejuice. He's a two-time Tony nominee, a writer, a voice actor, and a member of the comedy group, The Morons. And he's the nicest Broadway star we've ever met. Ellie, are you ready? More than anything. Hi, Alex. That was easily, and I've done interviews now for, I don't know, going on 15 years, easily, without a doubt, the greatest intro I have ever gotten. Thank you. Easily. And I will say, I, I've i never heard t- teacher with the meter before. <laughs> well, it's the only thing. That I'm going gonna- to... I'm going to use that from now on. That was great. I appreciate the Beetlejuice voice. I, it, it reminds me of simpler times. So I appreciate that. Um, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We love to have people whose similar times were eight shows on Broadway a week. So, yes. Well, you, you guys know how it is, right? Mm-hmm. You guys do eight shows a week, just it's different places. Well, I used to do eight shows a week in my bedroom. I used to do it in front of a mirror. I used to do shows all the time for nobody. And I still do that sometimes when I get bored. Yes. Yeah. We do that too. For yes, our we do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. So you were really busy before the shutdown. You were Beetlejuice eight shows a week, as we have already talked about, <laughs> writing a couple of shows. So many things have stopped during the shutdown, but you're still busy. What have you been doing over the past year? Basically just eating a lot. I've just been eating everything that I see, I put in my mouth. Everything, even if it's not food, I'm just eating it. Um, just to see how it is. No. Um, I I got very lucky. I, I have been, I've been very fortunate to be busy a lot of the last decade and a half. I've been like, and I think that's due to wanting to always be busy. Like I think that you have to want to, right? Because as an actor, as a creative person, the work isn't just always there, right? Because there's so many actors trying to go for so few parts. And so you have to, when they, when the parts don't come your way, you have to find other ways to be busy. So yeah, I've been on Broadway, which has been super nice. Um, and then also a writer. Um, and so when the pandemic happened, I did lose Broadway like everybody else, which was really disappointing. And, and still, you know, I'm still mourning the loss of that. And I bet all of you guys are too. Um, you know, who, who doesn't want to see theater? Like, it's like such a nice thing and a nice escape. And it's, it's, it's what I love, but I got very lucky, um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, because two things sort of went my way. One is that I, I ended up selling a television show, um, in January, right before the pandemic happened. So I went out to LA and I, uh, pitched a television show was something that I created and got very lucky at people wanted to do it. And so now we're working on that and trying to write um, the pilot and, and the season and the series. And so hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance to do that this year, actually put it on film. And then the other thing is that I've been working on this Netflix show, this cartoon um, that is premiering in October called Dead Endia, uh, which I booked during the pandemic, even though I auditioned for it before the pandemic. So I was sort of sitting on my couch doing nothing. I got a phone call and they said, you booked that thing you auditioned for months ago. 
which is a great phone call, <laughs> especially in the pandemic when there was nothing to be had. So I've been working on season two of that. We already recorded season one during the pandemic all throughout it. And now we're working on season two. So I've been really busy. And on top of that, I have been talking to a number of Broadway people and fans and, and, and coaching and teaching. Um, it's been a blast. It's been really fun to com communicate with people and, and talk about being a theater dork and a theater nerd, uh, because that's what I am. That's what we all are. And then the only other thing I've been doing, aside from taking care of my boy, Kevin, is, uh, <laughs> is cooking. I've cooked almost every single night for the last year. So, oh, congratulations. Thank you. I'm working on my culinary skills. I'm having a very good time doing it, too. Alex Brightman, the master chef. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's my next, my next yeah. level. After I've mastered Broadway, mastering the culinary world. That's my next thing. You got to be well-rounded. Yeah. <laughs> Can you true. tell us anything about the show you sold, or is it still a top secret? It's not top secret, um, but it's, I, can, it's, it's, um, I can tell you this much. It is, it is, it's placed in New York, because that's right what you know, which is fun, because I want to film it in New York, and I love living here, and I love uh, shows that are in New York. I just love the setting. Uh, it's a romantic comedy. So it is about, um, you know, relationships and things like that, but it is told through the sort of a lens of sadness. So it's a sort of sad romantic comedy, you know, like, you know, it's sort of leaning more into the sort of like, um, not as like joyous parts of relationships and things like that, but in a city like New York, where it's really hard to do anything because it's so crazy. Yeah. So that's what I've been more, that's as much as I can tell you. And, uh, and, uh, but hopefully I will be able to tell you much more very soon. That's the Yay. hope. So, Hooray, maybe you can be on it. Why don't you just make two cameos? You'll do, I'll do, the main character will do a podcast and then I'll cast you guys as the hosts. Yay! All right, done. It's a deal. It's a verbal contract. Yeah, well, I was writing this play last year and you were in it. So can you do a cameo in that once we get it all set up? Look, I know, I know that you're laughing and you're joking around, but I tell people all the time, all you have to do is ask. The, the worst I can say is no. The best I can say is yes. Send me it. I'll happily do it. I'll, I'll do, I'll, first of all, I'll 100% do a reading of it over Zoom while, while we have it. I'll read whatever you have. Okay. <laughs> of course, that's not, that shouldn't, that should, I want that to be more normalized throughout the world that like people like me, I'm just a person, <laughs> you know what, what I mean? Never. I know, I know that's, that. I, I know that's breaking news, but like I love to work and I don't just love to work on things like Broadway shows. I love to do anything. I love reading people's material and I love writers. I love creative people. So I'm happy to read your stuff always. Okay. Well, I think we okay. can- I'll agree that we're super psyched for these new TV shows and yeah. Dead India will very much be on my watching list. And I love all that. All the cameos I'm going to write. <laughs> no, she's going to send in like 50 cameos. I'm ready. Let's and everyone do it. else is going to. I'm ready. All right. Get ready for your... for you and my murder mystery. Get ready for your mailbox to be clogged. But... Crossing my fingers to play a dead body. So please go ahead. <laughs> You've also been teaching a lot of master classes over the past year, and I actually did one. Is that something you did before the pandemic too, or is this a new thing? It's been the most consistent um, during the pandemic because it's been easy to sort of have my schedule free. Because for, for the most part, when I do it an eight show kind of Broadway week, 
it means that I have to get all the other stuff done in the daytime. So I don't have time to do like classes and master classes and coachings. So I did coach before the pandemic and stuff and do certain master classes here and there. But this is the most by far that I've ever coached. This is I every other day, I think of just something's going on, some kind of class and or some kind of Q&A. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way because I think I have things to offer. I have wisdom to impart, right? Because I have like 15 years of like doing this thing and I want people to know about it. I don't think it should be a secret. I want people to, to know what I know so they can be better sooner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, you and I had a class together, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you heard some things that you never thought of, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. And I wish I would have known those things when I was your age. So it's my job. It, it feels like my job to tell you guys those things, to tell everybody, here's what I wish I would have known when I was your age, because- why not know it now? That's my big, that's my big thing. Why not know it sooner than later? You don't need to be a certain age to know things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing about theater and like knowledge in general. You can totally learn and pass it on to people who want to learn about it. So I think that's your only, by the way, you hit, I know you hit, you hit on a great point. If you have knowledge that satisfies you and fulfills you, or you're in a cool position, like you get a part in a show, right? That it, if your first thought isn't I need to help everybody else, then you're doing it wrong. If you're, if you're put in a cool position and you have things to offer, the next thing you should do is make sure other people benefit from it too. Mm-hmm. 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 So a lot of your shows have kids in big roles, especially in Matilda and School of Rock, and you have great chemistry with them. What is it like to work with kids on Broadway? It's awful. Next question. Just oh. kidding. Um, wow. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Wow. Okay. Listen, I gotta, I gotta be me. Um, no, it's great. Um, be, uh, so I, I will say though, there is some truth uh, to the a little bit of the first thing I said. They're not awful. They're wonderful. But I've had a long history in my life of not really liking kids. Wow. I know. I know that's hard to swallow, considering you're both kids. However, no. I want to break some news to you right now. You're not kids. Kids is a state of mind, right? I've met 50 and 60 year olds that are kids. And I mean like snotty, you know, complainy, you know, bratty. That's what I look at as a kid, right? But the people in School of Rock, the young performers in School of Rock, which was really the first time I got to work with younger people as an adult, what I realized really quickly is that these weren't kids. I knew kids as a very different thing. I knew kids as the, the, the naughty bratty kids that threw things at each other and got in my way and things like that. These kids were more professional than I was at that point. I learned from them. They were more punctual than half the cast. They were more on time. They knew their stuff better than we did. We were challenged by them constantly to be better. So I loved working with them because I knew that I had things to offer them. Like I taught them how to improvise. I taught them how to do improv comedy. That was a really fun thing I got to do with 25 kids every night. I got to just make stuff up and they had to go with it. That was part of their job. (laughs) What they taught me was that funny, being funny doesn't need to be complicated because when you're younger, farts are funny. See, just the mere mention of one, right? It makes you laugh, but it's true. I'm 34. They never go out of style. (laughs) However, as a writer, you try to think like more complex, like how can I really be funny and say something? But sometimes you just need to say something silly. 
And that's what, that's what these young performers reminded me that sometimes you don't have to think so hard to be funny. I loved working with them and I keep in touch with them. I just coached um, Brandon who played Zach, the, the, the kid with the big crazy Afro. Yeah. Um, he's an amazing guitarist as everyone has seen. And he's trying uh, you know, to better himself as an actor. And so he took, he did a coaching with me the other day and he's like 55 years old now. It's he's not obviously, but he would have lapped me at this point, but he, he has a deep voice now. And when I met him, he was this little kid. And I was like, I don't know what happened. I feel like 95 years old. Zach, you ever play electric guitar? No, my dad won't let me. Oh, really? He thinks it's a waste of time. Oh yeah. Well, let's waste that time together, shall we? But it's nice to see them all grow up and do things. It's really, really fun. And I've changed my perspective on, on what that's all about. I really enjoy working with them and so much so that a lot of the people I coach, as you've noticed, as you've seen, and as you've taken are younger. I really do like, you know, bolstering younger kids to think brighter and think, you know, quickly and, and, and just be better. You know, I liked how you pointed out that being a kid, you don't have to be an adult to be mature and like, absolutely. You don't have to be in, you don't have to be a kid to be kind of, you know, kiddish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And you're, you're going to see that all career long, no matter what you do, no matter what job you have, you're going to be like, that's a kid, <laughs> you know? And then, and you go, that's an adult. And it, you don't care about their age. It's just a state of mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So speaking of kids or young performers, there you go. Yes. How did you get involved in theater? Were you a theater young performer? <laughs> I love that. Thank you for pivoting. Thank you for using the common, the common language of the day. Um, I saw a show when I was like six or seven years old. I saw it on Broadway. I saw cats, meow, cats. Um, and it doesn't matter whether or not I liked it. I didn't. But that's, that's common knowledge at this point. Um, but what I did like was the whole experience. I, when I walked into the theater and, and they ripped the ticket and then they, the, all the, everything about the Winter Garden Theater, which is the first theater I ever walked into, which is why it's in, ironic because I, you know, 21 years later, I found myself on that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about it, sitting down, getting the playbill, reading the playbill, lights going down, all that stuff, I fell in love with immediately. And so when we got back home, I'm from the Bay Area of California. I'm from San Jose, mm-hmm. more specifically Saratoga, California. Nice. Um, there's a community theater there that you had to be eight or nine to perform in. I had to wait like this painstaking year because I wasn't old enough to be in the show yet. And then I auditioned because I desperately wanted to be a part of whatever that was. I didn't even know really what it was yet. I just <laughs> knew that I loved it. Yeah. And I auditioned with a little song. I think I sang a Green Day song. Remember, the, you know, the band Green Day? Uh, wow. I didn't know you. I, I didn't know. American really? Idiot. Yeah, yeah please. America. Oh, come on now. American Idiot. Um, Elena. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. You're fine. Not everybody's. It's okay. You're, that's Not knowing things is wonderful because you, you have an opportunity to know them later. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. The more you know. Okay. Um, I auditioned. And it was a community theater that cast everybody that auditioned. So there were no cuts. So if, if 1,000 people auditioned, they had to find 1,000 ways to put people on stage. And I thought that was awesome. And I got cast in A Christmas Carol, the musical, where I played Tiny Tim. Yay! I, hooray! <laughs> and I've not gotten any better since, by the way. <laughs> I just have been doing the same old shtick 
over and over and over again. And people seem to like it. No, I'm kidding. But it's, <laughs> it was fun. I learned in that moment about community. Like when they say community theater, community. I think not a lot of people think about that first word. Mm -hmm. And I think that all theater is a community. I just think that when you get to Broadway, you take that community word out of it, but it still is there. And I love the idea of it being a family, of being a group of people that is that does something wonderful together and they all love doing it. I just, that's to me is why I keep doing it. I love meeting new people that love the same thing that I do. And when we can get together in a room and make something all together that an audience likes, there's no better feeling. Yeah. Yeah. We have a community theater called Spotlight. Yeah. And it's basically like um, your community theater. Well, except for a thousand people don't audition. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, That's good. 50. That's a good thing, though. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah, exactly. thins, out, thins out the herd. You get better parts if there's less people. Yeah. yeah. In the last show we did before the show we're doing right now, it was like a cast of 10 people. And so we literally got to sing a power duet to together because there are like no people and yet the I'm sorry I need to 20. I need to stop you I need to stop you right now what is a power duet okay <laughs> something so, Ellie just made up <laughs> okay so, I love that um we played two characters that we think used to be friends but now hate each other Mrs. Sherman and, and Ms. Bell from fame <laughs> oh my they used to be college roommates uh -huh. Yeah, until you guys are perfectly perfectly cast in this age appropriate. Keep yes. going. And then we basically were screaming at each other. No, but... not screaming, melodically arguing. Wow, yes. that's you're About... gonna be if you're not if you don't become an actor, you're gonna become a great lawyer. Yes, and Thank now you. we're Shrek and Donkey. Yeah. yeah, is that really? Yeah. <laughs> That's so perfect. How great. And you guys are, that's the best thing in the world. When you find that, when you all of a sudden go, wait, we want to hang out anyway. And now people are making us. That's the <laughs> greatest thing in the world. That's what I found. That's exactly how I felt when I was in like middle school and high school and elementary school. When I would go to these shows and you look at the cast list and you see who you're playing with, it's like somebody forcing you to have fun with people you already have fun with. It's the greatest thing yeah. in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thanks. And the when do you guys when do you guys do it? Oh, like in, in May. Yeah. yeah. Well, break on. legs and keep me posted. Thank you. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, the fun part is that I get to annoy her on purpose without anybody yelling at me. Yay. Wait, I, I now I'm wait, so who's wait, who's who? I'm, I'm Donkey. <laughs> I love that. I love I can't wait to see pictures from this. This is this is gonna be hilarious no matter what. <laughs> You in the green makeup, you as a donkey. Come on. <laughs> okay. What else? what else? What else? We got off track, but I love it. Okay. Now you do a lot of really fun characters that young performers love. We've both seen School of Rock, and I'm obviously a huge Beetlejuice fan. How do you get into those characters that people already know and love from the movies? That is a great question. And that is, it's a terrifying thing because you get a role. And sometimes you get a role and you're like, yeah, whatever. I got this role. I'm going to have a good time. But then you get a role that you realize millions of people already know about <laughs> and have expectations for. And it's up to you to honor those expectations while also trying to come up with something new. And that is terrifying because yeah. you don't, it's all risk. You know what I mean? All you're doing is risking it because you don't know what's going to work. And you also don't know what anybody likes, you know? You don't know what the next person likes versus this other person versus this other person. So the question is, how do you satisfy everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And the answer is you don't. 
You know, you have to try it the best you can to come up with something that is interesting and fun and yours, right? But at the same time, I think with Beetlejuice, we did a really good job with this, which is to give people just enough of the thing that they love, which is the character, some of the things from the movie, some classic lines from the movie, so that they feel comfortable being there, that they don't feel like we're just taking their thing that they love and running away with it. We give them the stuff that they're expecting so that they feel uh, comfortable and they trust us to go a little further off the reservation than we would have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it was a that balancing act with School of Rock and Beetlejuice to go, I need to honor the thing that Jack Black and Michael Keaton did. But also if I just did an impression of both of them, that would not be fun for anybody, including myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to find ways to... It's what I, it's, it's, it's the way I put it is you have to give people a little bit of the chicken noodle soup before you give them chili, you know? So you have to feed them things that they're used to. That's comforting. So that then when you give them a bite of chili, they go, Hmm, interesting. And then they go, but where's my chicken noodle soup? And you go, it's right here. I have your chicken noodle soup. Don't worry about it. If you ever need a bite, we have it here, but enjoy this chili, right? (laughs) I know that doesn't make any sense, but it makes sense to me. It actually makes sense to me. Yeah. I'm so glad. You're the, you're the first two that it's ever made sense to. Thank you. So, I only want to talk to you from now on for the rest of my life. We can arrange for that. Yeah. Done. I'm in. Done. I'm taking no other interview requests and podcast requests. It's the only th- I'm coming on every week and we're just going to chat. Nice. Yay. Hooray. Yeah. And I love how you put it in terms of food. That's, that's a it's, language it's, we understand. It's truly all I think about. So... We know Beetlejuice has a lot of secrets. Lydia and Barbara fly. There's fire. There's lights. So it's basically a magic show with the musical yeah. in, filled into it. I already so, know one of the secrets that I came up with. <gasps> Good for you. Fine. You're allowed. You're allowed. So we know you can't tell us all your secrets, but can you possibly share just one? We won't tell anybody. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. It's only, this podcast is only for us, right? No one's going to listen to this. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Great. As long as you promise not to Mm -hmm. show, I'm kidding. Um, I will tell you one that I think is really cool actually, um, is, uh, that when I light Lydia's suicide note on fire, um, you know, I throw this note in the air and all of a sudden it explodes, right. Um, into flames. How does he do that? Now we kind of know how things work with like there's something called flash paper that a lot of magicians use, which is not really paper, but it's really thin woven cotton that's really flammable. And it's, and so all it takes is one spark for it to light up really quickly. And then it goes away. It doesn't, it doesn't keep burning. It just goes away. So that's, that's been around forever, but we have to figure out a way to light it. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I take her notes and in my hand, it starts to light and go like that. That's got it. How is that possible? Here's how it's possible. You ready for this? This is going to blow your mind. Oh, we're ready. Yes. It'll blow up when just I, like that piece of paper. <laughs> when I start, when I start that scene, that whole scene, the whole rooftop scene, right? With, with say my name and everything. Mm-hmm. I am, I enter that scene on my thumb is another fake thumb already there from the entire scene. I have, I'm wearing a fake thumb on my right hand and inside that thumb is a little taser like a thing that creates a little bit of an electric spark. So I wear the whole thing. It was totally designed for the show, for my thumb, and for this moment. And all I have to do is press down on it, and it creates a little taser spark in my thumb. So when I grabbed her note, I pressed down on it, onto the note, 
it creates a spark. And about a second later, I throw it and it's on fire. What? Nothing. So Lydia, don't end yourself. Defend yourself. Daddy is the one you should maim. Together we'll exterminate. Assassinate! No! Whoa. We just got a big magic science lesson. <laughs> big, this is a big scoop. This is breaking news. Um, no, but that's, it was one of those things where it seems so easy, right? It's such an easy thing to just sort of go, ooh, but it took so much time and so much effort to get that right that when it happens casually in the show, that's why it's so magical. Cause you're like, what? How did that, wait, 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 wait. How did that happen? You know what I mean? Cause it's, even when you go back and think about it, you're going like, I don't, I have no clue how that would happen. Mm-hmm. But it's really kind of, some of the best tricks are, are that simple or it involves some type of ingenuity, some kind of like making of something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, imagine being a magic thumb maker. Yeah, exactly. That's your, that's your only job. Business. Yeah. The one that big business. I think I know is Lydia. Don't you dare. <laughs> Don't you. I'm happy you know it. But if you put, if you even, even begin to tell, that's the one that the Lydia levitation is something many people, people have figured it out, but I'd rather them figure it out rather than people tell it. That's the one that I think was the, the simplest mm-hmm. and, and the one that people were the most confused by because it was so simple. Some people have figured it out. And even when they figured it out, they thought it was cool. So I'm going to, I want to leave that one a secret if you don't mind. I'm confused from Barbara's, but yeah, Ellie. Oh, okay. big time. No, okay. Ellie. No, okay, that's fine. Other people listen no to this too. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll when, talk after the podcast. Oh, okay. So when Broadway is finally back, what can we expect from Alex Brightman? The Brightman. Who's Alex Brightman? Oh, you. Oh, me. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I don't talk in the third person. Although I'm going to answer this question now in the third person because it's going to make me laugh. Well, Alex Brightman is thinking about, uh, okay, I'm sick of myself already saying that. So when Broadway comes back, and I think it's going to come back not too far from now, which is nice. It's not soon, but not too far from now. So I think that's as much information as I know. I would, I would never hold anything back from you two. Um, but I think this year, I can't tell you when, I don't know when, but I think this year we will see a Broadway show open. We will, they'll be back in, in ways. And for me... I have faith. I don't know anything. So it's just, I have faith. I have faith that Beetlejuice will come back. Um, From what I've heard and from what the little I know, I think that when Broadway comes back, Beetlejuice will find a way back as well. Because I think people want it. I think it was doing really well. And I think that we sort of got um, the short end of a weird stick when the music man came in um, and sort of kicked us out of the theater. But I think that the show is going to remain. I think the show is going to last um, and if not here first, then I think we'll see it somewhere else, whether it's in London or Australia or on tour, something like that. So I think it's not over. I would love to open it. It depends on my schedule. Um, but I, I'm never, with all the television show stuff that I want to work on and all the voiceover stuff that I'm working on, nothing will keep me away from being on stage. It's my favorite thing in the world to do. I find more joy being on stage than anything else. And I, I think I'll never, ever leave. So what you can expect from me is that I'll always at least try to be on Broadway. Yeah. We can totally relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> so a question we always have for our guests is what advice do you have for kids like us who want to be on Broadway someday? I, so my, one piece of advice I don't even need to give you to, but which is that if you want to make something, you have to make it. Nobody is going to call you out of the blue and say, Hey, you know what we need is a podcast for you too, <laughs> but you did it right here. You are, you're making something. 
Very few people do. Very, especially people that have ideas and don't execute them. What you're doing is exactly the thing I tell people to do, which is if you have an idea and you think it's good, go for it. Like it, it, there should be no anxiety holding you back because the worst that can happen is it just doesn't work. And you know what? That's okay. Most of the time things don't work. So you try things again and you try new things and you pivot. It's about momentum. That's my big piece of advice. If you have momentum on something, even if it's just in your head, roll with it because chances are someone's going to like it. That's just how the world works, right? Mm -hmm. And if enough of those someones get together, then you have something. My other piece of advice is when you love something, make sure you love other things too. Because if you just love one thing, right? Let's just say it was just Broadway. I love Broadway. I love Broadway and nothing else. What would happen if say a pandemic happened? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I and don't Broadway, know. That's never happened. Hypoth- hypothetically, hypothetically, what happens if the only thing that you liked went away? You better hope that you have other things that make you happy, right? So my, my advice to kids and younger people that, that want to listen to this and, and, and want to hear this is, is diversify your interests. And by that, I mean, make sure that if you love something and it's the thing you want to do for the rest of your life, like I did with theater, I still do, that you have five other things that complete the picture of who you are, right? I love cooking. I love juggling. I love my dog. I love walking outside. I love going to arcades. None of that has to do with theater, Right. So I can still have joy outside of the thing that I love the most. And I think a lot of people need to hear that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You can use those four other things. Well, maybe except for the arcade to, to um, help yourself through the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Arcades would be a, not a, would be kind of a bummer place to go right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of pressing. Not a lot of, not a lot of people there. Hopefully. We also ask all of our guests to choose a charity and we make a donation as a thank you for being on our show. So you That's chose- super nice of you. You chose the Arthritis Foundation. How come? Well, here's why. Um, lots of, so many people um, are, have arthritis or certain kinds of arthritis. And arthritis is uh, in its most basic form, it's an inflammation of your joints, which is just makes your life at the, at the, at the easiest of it of all, it makes life uncomfortable, but at the worst of it, it really, really, really is debilitating and very hard for people to even get out of bed. Sometimes, um, my wife has a version of arthritis called spondyloarthritis, which affects her back, her knee and her eyes. Um, and so, you know, it's new, and we've been working with the Arthritis Foundation raising money. Um, we did a, a thing during the Christmas time called the Jingle Bell Run where we raised money. Uh, and I think you donated to it, in fact, mm-hmm. which was really nice. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so it's it's still new to me, really, as it is new to her. So we're kind of figuring out what it means to live with it. And, and it's, it's, it's livable, for sure. Um, but while it's new, I figure I want to know everything I want to know about it because I love her. And I, and, and I want people to... Uh, know more about it to know that it is something that exists and people live with it every day and they may not tell you about it, but that people are living with it and surviving and it's important to her. So it's important to me because she's important to me. So I thank you, first of all, for donating to them. It's really cool. Uh, And they also have a really cool website, by the way, if for people listening, they have a really cool website, not just about what it is and what arthritis is, but they have a cool blog section and the blogs are really cool. 
And uh, I wrote one recently. So if you want to go check it out, you can check mine out. I'm there too. You can, I wrote a blog. There's very interesting stories about living with it or living with someone who has it. And I think it's worth, you know, why not? You have the time. We're in a pandemic. Why not research about something you don't know? Yeah. And yeah, well, I think that we'll include the link in our show notes because we think that that is so important. So sweet that you're doing that for your wife and everyone else with our brightest. I love that. Well, I'll tell you you said so. Okay, so our last and most important question that is weirdly not about Kevin. What can people do to support theater right now? (laughs) So it's not about Kevin? Okay, just want to make sure. Sadly. Um, Got it. Okay. What can people do to support theater? What an excellent question. First is, if you have it, if you have the means to financially support theater companies, especially ones that are smaller and ones that are either nonprofit or, you know, things like that, then please, if you have money to spare, donate locally and things like that. You know, Broadway shows don't need donations. (laughs) Um, But like your local theater companies, that's, they rely on things like that. And so if you have it and you want to spend it, spend it there. That's one way. The other way to do it is to promote. If you can't, if you can't, my big thing is to say, if you can't donate, then share share the links, right? If you can't donate, don't just let it sit there. Find somebody who can donate. And that's just as good in my opinion. And so the other way to support theater is to, you know, this sounds silly, but to know more about it. So if you are interested in theater and, and, and you want to know more about it, read about theater's history and why it's important and what theater has done to change the course of history, you know, Mm -hmm. Shakespeare, things like that. Right. Um, And so, knowing about it, having knowledge about theater can also give you a nice knowledge about history and where we've come from. Um, I think supporting theater uh, also just means being a fan. Keep seeing it. Keep, uh, you know, uh, bolstering people to do it. If you have friends that are like, "Uh, I'm thinking I might not want to do it anymore, but you know it's their passion, encourage them to do theater. I think it's always fun and it's a safe thing to encourage because it's always going to be there. That's my big thing. You can always leave theater and go away for 10 years. And when you come back to it, if you want to audition, you're more than welcome to. It's not the same thing everywhere. You can't be a doctor for 10 years and then go away for two years and come back. You have to keep practicing. With theater, if you have other interests, do it, right? Go do your other interests and come back to theater. It can be a hobby and a job. So the way to support theater, do it, watch it, donate. So basically, if you do a Broadway show and then you become a lawyer... And then you do another, you would audition for another Broadway show. They're now like, no, you're not allowed to come back. Please feel free. Go be that lawyer. In fact, it's probably better to do that because when your Broadway show closes, you're still a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So we know we're running out of time, but before we go, we have a quick lightning round. Are you in? Oh, okay. Yes. I will. I I always talk so much that these lightning rounds are pretty good for me. So yes, I'll I'll make it quick. Okay. Start the clock. That's probably not going to be back. (laughs) Quick and go. What's the first show you're going to see when Broadway reopens? Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, oh yes. yes, that's a good one. Um, what is the best Beetlejuice prop? Uh, my third leg that I cross over uh, <laughs> during uh, the Invisible Reprise is a puppet that is puppeted behind me from somebody else, and so he he does all the work. I knew nothing about. It. I just I just let it happen. It's my favorite thing in the show. <laughs> let the leg happen. What let the leg happen. What food have you eaten most during the pandemic? <laughs> this is embarrassing. Um, it's a tie between um, it's a tie between a dish I make that is uh, sausage, potatoes, and vegetables that I just roast in the oven. Very simple, and also Popeye's chicken. 
Yes, yes. Love that chicken with papa. Yes. What is your pro tip for two show days? What is my pro tip? Is that what you said? Yes. Pro tip for two show days. If you're a person that can take a nap, take a nap because it re-energizes you. If you're a person that is that is taken away by a nap, don't do it. I'm one of those people. I feel like totally out of sorts. So my pro tip is between shows, do the thing that keeps you energized. What musical are you listening <laughs> to right now? I am listening to, uh, what am I listening? I listen, recently listened to Six, which Yay! I love. Yes, Queen. Which <laughs> I, 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 yes, Queen, which I love. Um, and I recently re-listened to Come From Away because I just remember how great it was. And that, that really, it's, it's better than you remember. Yeah, such a touching story. So, what's your favorite dessert from Great British Bake Off? Oh, wait, do you know that I am obsessed with that show or is yes. that just a random game? Okay, you know that I'm obsessed. I am obsessed with that show. I've seen every minute of it. Um, my favorite dessert from it has to be, uh, 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 let's see. You know what? I'm what I'm interested in. It's not my favorite, but what I've never had is one of those filled shoe buns. Oh, oh nice! Yeah. I love I love that. They look really good and crispy and delicious. And I'm not a big like extravagant dessert person, so I like I, simple is good for me. Yeah, my favorite was the Tartarus cake that was in season one or season <laughs> three, of course, because okay. Tartarus is like crazy on death. Um, of course. So, which kid would you play in School of Rock? Oh, that's an excellent question. Why has no one ever asked me that before? You guys are the first to ask me that. Excellent question. Um, I would want to play um, the security guard, Theo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So where should we eat in New York? <gasps> Great. You, I, if, you, if you know me, you already know this question. Yeah, it's I the do. Mermaid Inn. Yeah. The Mermaid Inn on 88th and Amsterdam all day, every day. Even, even if it closes, I still want you to go there and eat. <laughs> demand that they make me something i demand you stay open mermaid in yeah i'm so my parents are taking me to new york in may and we're gonna go to the mermaid Inn. let me know and i will i will make i will make it even a better experience for you knowing that you're going trust me i will i know everyone i know people there i will make your experience wonderful <laughs> okay so the last question that actually is the most important question where is kevin where did he go is he still kevin there? is right behind me he's still there he is sleeping like a baby. An angel. <laughs> he has his eyes. Oh, yeah. He has his eyes fully closed. He's doing that thing like an old man where he's blowing air through his cheeks right now. He's going. <sighs> he's fully sleeping. Um, he sleeps about, and I want to get this right, 18 hours a day. Um, oh, my God. Which is, which is my dream, by the way. That's my dream. I never get to live that dream. Kevin lives it for me, and I just live through it. Um <laughs> We're about right after this, though. I'm gonna have to wake him up and take him on a walk. So I will tell him that you said hello, Ollie. And says you're a picture of Kevin. I have a picture. Wait, hang on. I have this picture of Kevin that they took it at his daycare. Because um, we sometimes we drop him off at daycare if we we can't give him the attention we we want to, and 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 uh, also we take him to daycare by the way because we have spent so much time with him that when this is over, he's gonna like freak out when I have to go to a Broadway show. <laughs> um, but on Halloween, they took this picture. We didn't know where they were taking it, and they took this picture. Aww. That is too adorable. I love for those for those for those listening. It's Kevin in a pirate outfit, <laughs> and he looks very uncomfortable in it too. And time, I guess. <laughs> time, I yeah, I nailed it. We got right on time, right under the wire. Brighty, thank you so much for coming on. 
Two kids and a Broadway star. Broadway star. I, this has been, and I say this with no irony, and you know, you know me enough to know that I'm telling the truth, right? I hope you do. Yes. This has been the most fun podcast I have been on probably in five years. <gasps> and I have, I have no, no reservation. I have no reservations or qualms saying that I was so looking forward to being here. I knew it was already going to be fun, but seriously, if you guys don't keep doing this, the world will be at a disservice. You should absolutely keep doing this. And I will be more than happy to send my friends over to talk to you. You wouldn't want to do something like that to the world, I guess. Yeah. No, please. Yeah. The world's been through enough. Please have your, please keep your podcast. We love it. And I would love to come back on if you have more to talk about. Oh, we would love to. We, yeah. Anytime. Call us up at midnight. We will respond. Yeah. Okay. But and that, you, that midnight is, midnight is your bed. It has to be past your bedtime. So we can't do that. <laughs> I love it. I'm so happy. This was so much fun. Seriously. So thank you for having me. Hey, you know what would make this even more awesome? What? More me. All we want to do is hear that sound. All we want to do is hear that sound. Fellas. All we want to do is hear that sound. All we want to do is hear that sound. This episode supports the Arthritis Foundation. If you enjoyed listening, if you're an Alex Brightman fan, or if you just want to support a great cause, we hope you'll consider making a donation of any size. You can find a link to donate in our show notes. Two Kids and a Broadway Star is me, Ellie, and my best friend, Haley. We started this podcast to stay connected to the theater community during the shutdowns and beyond. You can follow us on Instagram at Two Kids Pod and on Twitter at Two Kids B Way, and you can email us at Two Kids Broadway at gmail.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and at twokidsbroadway.com. We would be so happy if you liked, subscribed, and left a review. Thanks for listening.